What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Bold City Soccer Show. And guys, guess what? First things first, I got to say it. Here we go. This episode is brought to you by, hang on, it's a for real sponsor. I'm not just bullcrapping here. All right. It's a for real sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Audible. What? All right. Get a free audiobook download and a 30 day free trial. If you go to www.audibletrial.com slash bold city soccer. All right. You go there. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from. They've got apps for all of your whatever mobile devices, your iPhone, your Android, your Kindle, your Kindle Fire, your tablet, whatever MP3 player you have. If you have a Microsoft Zoom, well, I don't know about that, but they have it there. If you are just, if you don't know what to pick, I have a book to recommend for you. All right. It's called Home and Away by Dave Bodini. Okay. It's a story about he, he traveled with the Canadian homeless soccer team to the Homeless World Cup. It's pretty legit so far. I'm about halfway into it. It's actually a short listen. It's about four hours long, uh, which is short when in audiobook territory. But go there, www.audibletrial.com slash boldcitysoccer. And that's my email going off. Let me mute my laptop there. Uh, www.audibletrial.com slash boldcitysoccer. If you go there, sign up for a free trial. You don't have to commit to paying anything. All you got to do is sign up for a free trial, and you'll help out the show. You'll help out Flagship Footy. Uh, thanks for all that. And with that, we're going to say hi to Logan because Logan's in here with us and we're going to get the show started. So, Logan, what's up, man? Yo, so guys, uh, Gormada. Yeah, I don't I don't have a uh, – well, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll throw a shout out there. I'm currently wearing a Kingdom Clothing Company shirt, uh, if you know who that is. My man, James. Uh, go check out his uh, his site. I believe it's kingdomclothingco.com. We'll have it in the description of this podcast um yeah pretty cool uh the shirt i'm wearing is very nice very nice material and james is a good friend of uh both kyle and mine so um you can go check out check out his stuff he's got some really nice um apparel hats whatever uh, you are looking for and uh that's who i'm gonna shout out today but we're here to talk soccer uh football for you all of you um guys out there that hate the word soccer americans um and uh dude what's on the plate today well, first off, obviously, we got to talk about old Zack Steinberger there. And these Cosmos matches where we just can't get into the goal until we get a little bit of uh, individual magic at the end. And it's just, man, let me tell you. Watching that match Saturday night, and we're going, and we're moving, and we're watching the plays, and Drew Becky's sending in some beautiful crosses, and nobody's on the other end of them, and nobody's running back post, and, and everybody's missing, and then... Everything's going on, and then here we go with some late magic from the man, the myth, the legend, Zach Steinberger, who, by the way, made his greatest impact as a center-advanced midfielder, I should note. Once he moved to the middle portion of the field, he took over. All right? Had some magic, ended as a 1-1 draw. Man. Let's just, that goal. Let's just take a moment. To appreciate the goal. If you haven't seen it, pause the podcast right now. Well, not right now. i got to give you more information. But pause the podcast after I'm done with this. Go to the NASL website or their Twitter and look for the goal of the week. They're tweeting it out all the time because it was amazing. It was awesome. It was great. Pause it right now and go see. And then come back, all right? Because that was a great goal. It was 
Man, the assist was great. Great vision by JJ, I got to say. All right, great vision by him. And then Zach with just a scissor kick into the goal. It was unstoppable. I was up taking uh, up at the top of the stadium taking a panorama shot when all that was going down. And it was, man, it was, it was looping. It was curving. There were, it, it made some movements that I've never seen. It's wild, dude. It was a wild goal. It was great. Individual magic. I wish, though, I wish that we didn't have to rely on that as we go through a match. That match, with how many shots and how many opportunities that the Armada had, that match should have been three points. They should have had three points. And that's hot take city right there. But it should have been three points because they had plenty of chances. They had plenty of opportunities to get through. And the Cosmos are not that great. I don't think they're that good. Really? Logan's looking at me with, <laughs> with amusement um, on his face. No, I, I agree. Uh, this, you would think that this, this Cosmos team would be towards the same caliber as they were last year, but they're honestly nowhere near. We dominate possession in this game, which we have been doing all year, but last time we played New York in New York, um, it was more, it was close to even, but we edged them out in, in possession. Now this, this past weekend, uh, 66% possession to their 33, um, 11 shots to their seven. Like we, we dominated, dominated them on the ball. Um, it wasn't utter domination in shots and shots on goal is near even on goal. Um, but you, we've got to put these chances away. And the first few games I was harping on, oh, we need to create chances. Our, our guys need to get forward. We need to advance the ball forward. We need to um, get the ball in the box and uh, create something for our striker to get, get a hold of. Um, and this game we did, but our striker didn't get a hold of it. And he was really one of the only players, minus Meshach Jerome's efforts from 25, 30 yards out, that actually had some really good chances this game. Right. Um, I believe Zach had Zach's goal, of course, which um, that doesn't count as to a, a missed opportunity. But really, there was one bouncing shot that was in the easiest save of the night for Jimmy Maurer. Um, there was actually one opportunity by Drew Becky late in the game uh, before we scored the equalizer that he headed into the ground and it got saved very well um, by Maurer. Um, and there was another, there was another header somewhere, uh, Zach Steinberger's shot on goal and, um, Meshach Drum had a few shots. Anyways, like I'm saying, we, so we have problems in the attack that we talk about regarding all of our, all of our players and the striker and the support. Yeah. And then this game, our support is fine, but our striker didn't find the net. And... This is going to, like, I had a back and forth on Twitter last night, which oh, no. it's Tuesday right now. Um, so Monday night, there's a back and forth on Twitter on the striker situation and what uh, what needs to be done there and who who is the best fit. Um, Kyle, I'm going to get your thoughts on this. Uh, I just feel like if we played Jonathan Glenn this game, we would have had a uh, better result and gotten three points. Well, Logan, don't hate me. But I think you're wrong. I think Jonathan Glenn is not the type of guy who can get that type of pressure. He's a different type of player. He's, he's the kind of guy, he plays with his back to the goal. 
So he's a holding forward more than a running on forward. All right, he's he's not the type of forward to uh, shoot into the box and and do what Derek Gebhard was doing on uh, Saturday night. So I don't think that we would have had a very similar match at all. Actually, I feel like a lot of those chances are because of it's the type of forward that they are. Uh, but at the same time, I do think if the supporting cast plays how they played and where they played, specifically where they played, uh, then Glenn has a much better opportunity to be just a better forward than he has been and a better goal scorer. Uh, so I think if you play Zach at, you know, like I've said for weeks on end, Zach in the middle of the field at center advanced midfield and then just fill everyone in beside him, then I think Jonathan Glenn has an opportunity and he has a better chance of just converting and just being a much better forward than Derek G right now. But at the same time, if Jonathan Glenn is in that match Saturday, I don't think we even tie it. I think it's a loss. Look, um, I'm going to talk about the changes first before I go into my my in-depth thoughts. Um, Some of you haven't seen my thoughts on Twitter. It's a really long thread. Um, So we switched out. We switched out basically our front, and actually we switched out the whole team. But the but these weren't necessary, or um, these weren't switches up top that like had to be made because of an injury or like a personal issue, like right. pitch colon had. Yeah. These were actual like uh, substitutions that Mark Lowry um, made for the benefit of the team. So he took uh, he's pretty much he switched them around. Marpu came off. Marpu was the unlucky one who. Um, Sat the bench during the game. He came off for Jack Blake to slide from central attacking midfield to central defensive midfield next to Kevon George. Um, that space opened up for Zach Steinberger, who slotted at Cam. Um, it was a straight swap for Jonathan Glenn and Derek Gebhard. Jamal Johnson, I'm sorry, JC Banks slot, slotted over to the right side. Yeah, rather. And than then um, Jamal Johnson on the left side because he's a left footed player. Um, it would be wasteful to play him on the right side, anyways. So. That plus will hit the back line too. Um, interesting note was uh, Devin Fisher starting. I didn't think that that would be the switch. Uh, I honestly didn't know Drew Becky could play center back. Like he's he's tall and he has a, the stature to play center back, but I didn't think he was at all skilled in the position. But I guess when you're um, have as much experience as he has and has played um, so many games and has spent so much time on the field. He can kind of adjust better than maybe a Kalen Ryden switch, who uh, is younger, uh, hasn't played at that level. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I, I really didn't think about it. It really didn't occur to me uh, before the game, before the match, before the lineup dropped. But um, whenever I saw the the change to bring Becky to partner up with Meshach Jerome, I was a bit surprised, but I was like, wow, that's a good move. Um, Kalen Ryden stayed at left back because he's been dominating. He's been very good. Um at left back, not much has gotten through yeah, him. You don't move him. Yeah, he, and especially the form he's in on the left side, he's doing. Think, he's doing really well. Performing really well. I think he's really the well. first name you put on your team sheet when you're deciding the lineup. Yeah, and I think you know what really caught me off was the Devin Fisher because I I genuinely thought that um, Kalen Ryden would sw- switch in and play center back, and then you'd keep Drew on the right and you'd bring in Dewey on the left, which uh, is a player that I talked very highly of in the preseason because I no seriously because I thought I. I still think I still think guarantee it that he is a good enough player to be in the side and make a huge impact on the left side. Um, but 
Yeah, Devin Fisher got the start. Dewey doesn't play. Dewey's a left-footed player. He's not right on the right side. He's not a, a right-footed player, so you wouldn't want to play him over there. You want a player that can get crosses in and such. Um, so brings to Devin Fisher. And, you know, this this episode, I feel like we're really going to talk about these position changes and just what occurred with these specific players rather than just the outcome of, of like... So, for example, like we would say, oh, the attack sucked. The uh, the defense was this. That uh, I feel like right now we're gonna go really in depth with these players and how they performed, um, especially the ones, the new ones that came in. And I want to hit Devin Fisher first. Um, played for Seattle Sounders too. Played for Portland Timbers too. Uh, has USL experience, and he he was kind of behind the pace a little bit. Um, he he tracked back really well. He's pretty he's pretty pacey. He tracked really well with uh, the Cosmos uh, attack on our right side, um, especially with Emmanuel Ledesma, who's been um, doing fairly well for New York and has gained a starting position for New York um, on on their left side of attack. So that was the main focus for Devin Fisher in this match. Um, He played all right. Like, a lot of people weren't really impressed with him because of his lack to get forward and... Um, when he got forward, he, he was getting body off the ball. He wasn't strong on the ball, um, and so on. But I think in the defense, he played, he played fairly, fairly decent. Um, I didn't see, I didn't see many problems in his defensive efforts, um, on, on Cosmos. They didn't really test the defense very much either other than Marquez's well, they goal. Could, they couldn't get through the defense right, either because Kalen Ryden, Kalen Ryden and Devin Fisher, they, they barely got the ball in the middle and, Whatever they were trying to run wide, it was getting blocked by either of the two fullbacks. Yeah, the defense, I mean, I know you just said we're not going to do this, but the defense as a whole yeah, just well, yeah. played very well. And they were, the other. I mean, other than the goal they gave up. Well, there's not much uh, to talk about within the defense. Pretty much all yeah. we're going to talk about is a lot of what we're going to talk about is the offense. But right. um, no matter that the defense was a makeshift, one, the positives you can get from the defense is that Caleb Bryan's still playing well. Yes. Two, Drew Becky, after that match against New York, um, you, you can make the assumption that if we go through another phase like this again where we're going to be missing out on Jerome or pitch colon due to yellow card accumulation or one of those one of our center backs, we can mm-hmm. move Becky over and we can be fine in that spot. Um, so that's the second thing. Third, um, just all in all, uh, no goals allowed from open play. And there are no chances that really tested Patterson Sewell. There was one... Um, of course, the goal, which their goal was unlucky. Um, it came from uh, Marquez, who scored against us. But it, Caleb, Caleb thought it was going wide, and you see him in the goal. It kind of sucks to watch, but you see him like pull back a little bit. Um, thought it was going wide. In those situations, you got to be safe with it, no yeah, matter that's, what. That's what I tell and my goalies: that's, always go for it. That's what. Yeah, I think I really think that was his fault. I mean, I, the foul was really soft. Um, I think that, that that was a very cheap foul to uh, to call by the ref. Um, I think the New York player just went straight into Meshach Jerome, knew what he was doing, and went down. Um, and Jerome had his like back turned too. Right. Uh, so not fully turned, but he wasn't like making an intent to stop the player in in his track. So the foul was was pretty lame and yeah like i said caleb patterson sewell get let up let up on the ball thought it was going wide uh it sneaked just inside the post and that took new york up one zero um and really you just gotta have better goalkeeping than that 
and that was the one big error that we've seen from Caleb Patterson-Sewell. Right, yeah, I think, I mean, when, when you look back to the rest of the season, that's kind of like the first big, oh, wow, that's, that's glaring uh, error from him. Um, there was, I mean, the other Cosmos goal, which was kind of weird and yeah, it was really he awkward. could have done a little better. But, I mean, again, that was what, Kalen slipped in front of Kaylin him. was in front of him. It went through Kalen's legs. And yeah, it was just he was one of those ex- things. expecting it to go across the face of goal, but it went uh, to the near post. But, yeah, that, that goal, that free kick, giving up that free kick was uh, the first, I think, big error from uh, Patterson Sewell. Patterson Sewell. Yeah, and he uh, – it, so. And like I said, it wasn't even supposed to be, it shouldn't have even been a free kick. Um, it was very soft uh, right. foul in general. But yeah, like I was saying, not giving up any open, any goals from open play throughout the game, um, really holding Cosmos back, uh, controlling the match um, it, from the back, playing to our principles and not allowing them hardly any efforts. I'm, I mean, I remember one, their second, uh, their second best effort next to the goal was their the shot I can't remember who it was by it was a, a long range about 25 yards out that Caleb Patterson Sewell tipped over the bar right um nearing the end of the second half which uh, could have been a game changer if it um if the save wasn't made uh properly by Patterson Sewell but he was all over it uh the defense as a whole I was very pleased like I said without pitch Cole and he was out due to personal issues um he will be back this week by the way uh, it's it's been sorted. He will be back in the lineup, um, so we'll get our captain back. Uh, but defense was good. Um, Devin Fisher, I thought, was good in defense, but in attack he lacked. Uh, and the just the way that the way that the team uh, played and rotated and such on Saturday, uh, it was actually really really fun to watch. And we'll get into that. Um, but any thoughts on Devin Fisher before we move on? Uh, no, I mean, when you play in defense, at least okay. So. I don't really, you know, I have a difficult time watching defenders um, because, you know, I've grown up as a striker and everything like that. So I don't, it's, I I come from the school of thought where the less I have to talk about the defender, the better, because that means they're doing their job. All right. And I feel like that's how it was for the defense this week. And specifically Fisher. All right. He came in and he did his job and he did what he needed to do and he didn't make any glaring errors. And that's all you that's all we can ask of from defenders like him. You know, yeah, the, uh, the your backup defender, he's he's not going to be he's not going to be some guy who's going to be a world beater or a world changer. You know, it, just have him come in, do his job, get through the match and uh, adequately cover for who he's covering for. And. That's all you can ask. Yeah, he wasn't really put in that many uh, awkward situations either. Meshach Drum had his back throughout the night, but nothing really got through him on the defensive side. He kept his shape and he kept uh, in up to up to speed with his defense. Um, just coming up, coming up against Jimmy Mulligan on the on his right side. That's just uh, where he struggled. It's it's a big a bigger player against you. Devin Fisher is a pretty small guy. Yeah. Um, if you stand toe to toe with him, and he was just getting bodied off the ball. Um, not really. Not really a more attacking player as as you would think. He uh, he he gets up the field and that's that's his way the way he plays fullback. He runs at you with pace. The way we're utilizing Devin Fisher on Saturday uh, was really complex by Mark Lowry, and so he had Fisher playing wing. Um, he had J C Banks on the wing. He had Jack Blake on the wing at one point. He had Zach Steinberger on the, Steinberger on the wing. He was rotating his players 
on the right side in the attack. Yeah. And uh, like you like you may have seen, we we rotate formations um, under Mark Lowry. And there's there's an article out there um, that, you know, goes into description as to exactly what we do in the attack, what we do in the defense, what we play in possession um, and how we uh, move forward and such. But, you know, in most of the attacks, Devin Fisher was attacking on the wing. And then you would have um, J.C. Banks, Zach Steinberger were playing. J.C. Banks was playing more narrow with Zach. Um, and then Jack Jack was playing behind them. But there were also instances where J.C. was getting getting wide to the right. And, and he was receiving the ball. And he had an overlap from uh, Devin Fisher. And Zach was in the mid. And uh, Jack was behind him. You had Jack at cam at one point and zach was on the right side um and just there were so many different just transitions and switches and trying to throw that uh new york cosmos side off um well that's i mean when you have if you look at the midfield the armada midfield those dudes are versatile yeah they can play almost any midfield position i i mean i wouldn't put zach at a dm spot but I mean, they can play almost any midfield position. So when you have that in your midfielders, then you're able to do stuff like you're talking about. You're able to get that rotation in. You're able to, you know, attack from this side and send your playmaker to over over to this side and not worry about the winger that's moving to the center being a liability. Yeah, and it, it, it really helped. Um, we didn't really attack from that side too often uh, just for the fact that Jamal Johnson had a game about him on, oh, right, on Saturday yeah. night. Uh, we'll get to that as Which, well. By the way, I... I, I asked about that. I want to. I want to toot my own horn there. All right, yeah, I'll, I'll give Kyle the time um, <laughs> because I wasn't a believer. But yeah, every every few attacks you would see you would see Devin Fish on the right. He wouldn't make it through. Um, so after one two attacks, we'd switch out. JC Banks go back on the right side, and he would he would try to attack the right side, be on the right side in the attack. And then you would you saw Blake up there at one point. It was a very complex setup attacking wise. Uh, you you would see one player press up the wing after a few attempts, and then after for say Fisher was pressing on the right side, um, there would be a straight swap, and it'd be like J.C. Banks uh, taking his taking his spot, um, which that led to the left back of New York, Jimmy Mulligan. Uh, he saw many different combinations throughout the night. Um, he saw a CDM attacking on the right. He saw the cam drifting. He saw uh, the right full our right fullback up there. Um, which, uh, honestly, as a defender, seeing so many different combinations, so many different players coming at you throughout the night, it's kind of makes me a little uncomfortable playing, especially playing away, especially playing away from home. Um, but it turned out not to be that that much effective as we did, of course, see a lot of the attacks come from Jamal Johnson. But it's also, I mean, it helped Jacksonville too. Um, uh, our players didn't tire as much, just continuously making runs and runs and runs on the right side. And uh, that eventually helped out later on in the game because it preserved our players to be able to will on and get the equalizer late, late in the game. All right. So uh, Jack Blake at CDM over Maripu. Yes or no? Um, well, yeah, I think, I think it was good. Um, I think it was good to see a change because we, of course, there was a problem. We had a problem, and it was that's that getting forward, the mentality to get forward and just actually bring about opportunities on the game for Jacksonville. Um, I think with Nicholas Marpu and Kevon George, you, you see two very heavily defensive players that are key to retain possession, and neither one of them have the urge to really push forward. 
I know after talking with Marpu, he wants to play his own style as to where he's more on the attacking front. Uh, but Mark Lowry has held him back and held him to hold the um, position like Kivon does. And that's just play with possession, uh, play out of the back, uh, try to transition forward. Um, but I think Jack, Jack Blake brings another man forward for us, which is key. Another uh, pass in the opposition uh, uh, part of the pitch. Um, he brings another body, um, another combination, and he's he can play anywhere in the midfield too. So if you need to have any one-two pass combinations, any combinations anywhere with any of the players, he's capable, more than capable than a central defensive midfielder like Marapu. So I think the change was positive, um, and there wasn't really a um, a problem with it throughout the game. He, you know, he he held. Held down pretty well. Uh, there wasn't really much going on in the New York attack, anyways, on Saturday night. Um, but he, you know, he performed. It wasn't his best performance for sure. Uh, but he he didn't screw anything up, <laughs> which essentially essentially is good as uh, we didn't really struggle against New York in the back. Uh, yeah, you know, I think the move of adding Jack Blake to the defensive midfield and moving him back there, I think. That is what contributed a lot to the extra pressure going forward. Uh, I do think that Derek Gebhard's presence added a little bit of that pressure, but I think most of it was uh, Jack Blake in the center defensive midfield position. Um, Just the fact that he pushes the ball forward and he's kind of an attacking-minded player in that position, I think it adds a a good dynamic. And it keeps from having Kivon and Maripu, and it keeps from having two CDMs like that uh, just kind of stuck in the back, not really doing anything. Yeah, the the thing about Kivon and Maripu is they're good passing the ball out of the back, but they don't carry. They don't, they don't, they, they, don't run and carry the ball forward. Yeah, like Jack, Jack Blake will grab yeah. the ball and he'll go on, a, on an adventure and just <laughs> just uh, have fun with it. You yeah, know? Jack can find it. He finds he can find his space. He can create his space, and he can carry the ball forward pretty well because he plays on all, all parts of the the midfield. Um, so I do think the change was good. Um, it ended up not being self inflicting, which you know we may even see him play. Uh, at North Carolina in, in probably the same position because I didn't see... 100% I, uh, other than in the defense with Pitch Galan coming back in and getting the starting defensive line back, I want to see this exact same lineup against I, North Carolina. You know, I'm going to have a problem with that. Uh, oh, that's going right. forward. But right. um, yeah, there wasn't a problem with Jack Blake. There wasn't any anything wrong with the switch. Uh, he wasn't tested very much, which could be different against North Carolina. But um, he, you know, he really didn't have much going on and he you know, performed, I mean, decently on the night. His free kicks were kind of off, though, and that was a shame because we had plenty of uh, right. attempts. Right, like, I spent like 20 minutes talking about how great he was at free kicks and everything, and then he did that. And then well, there we, were also a lot of attempts. Well, we had plenty of attempts of, off of free kicks that were kept getting sent to the back post, and John Lee Glenn didn't score his goal off. I mean, it was farther back on the other side of the net, right. but it wasn't f- near post, but it was still like, it wasn't on the complete back post, which is what um, he was even aimed for the back post. He was aiming for the corner flag on some of them. Like the, oh, and, yeah, and no one, a lot of, I mean, just throughout the team, there were a lot of crosses and stuff that just went wide of the players that were there or went over the players that were there. It was, it was very, they were very, uh, just, you know, off with some of the crosses and some of the kicks and free kicks and everything. Uh, that was just that was an issue on the night, and and it was one of the reasons that I think 
they kind of deserved a win. If they had played a little better and just gotten some the, of those connected on some of those passes, yeah, the then they would have banged in a couple goals. Yeah, um, I don't really understand how a player that was delivering such good free kicks against Indy has goes a week later. And oh, bro, let me tell you, it's man. Sometimes you just have games, though. Yeah, like, it, it, but it's not like he had a bad game either. It's just his service is not as good as it should have been. And I know I'm not I'm not the best soccer player out there, and I uh, I didn't. I mean, I played for a college team, but it was a kind of bullcrap college team, just to be 100 percent honest. But those free kicks, man, it's sometimes you're on and sometimes you're really on. I think Jack Blake was really on against Indy. Uh, and then sometimes you're off and sometimes you're really off. And I think he was just really off against the Cosmos. Uh, I, I, if we can get consistency from him, uh, not necessarily as awesome as he was against Indy, but just, you know, consistently good, um, then I think he'll he'll be serviceable there. Uh, but can't have the back and forth, man. Can't yeah, have it. You want to talk about the man of the match, though? Oh, okay. So here we go. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, your man of the match is not Zach Steinberger. It's Props all, to Zach for a wonderful goal. Props to Zach for a wonderful goal. It was a great goal. I would never be able to do that unless I got 100% lucky. Okay. He even said on his Instagram that it's the coolest thing he's ever done. And it was it was a really great shot. It was a really wonderful goal. But he was almost invisible for the first three quarters yeah, of the I match. Was about to, I was about to say that. And what if the goal was luck? Just kidding, oh, um, sir. No, no, <laughs> no. Um, I, I'll, I won't. But yeah, okay. So argue yeah, uh, with you guys on that one. <laughs> Zach, not the man of the match. He did. He he didn't play the first three quarters of the match. He didn't do much. Uh, I mean, he had his plays where he made an impact and he did stuff, but he just didn't seem like the man of the match to me. You're kinda, oh, I'm gonna go on a rant after you're done here. If if I had to pick one, um, man, it's it's a toss up for me. It's a toss up between Drew Becky and Jamal Johnson. I think Jamal had a really great game, uh, putting pressure and putting crosses in when he needed to do. It was, man, listen, that assist on Zach's goal was sublime. I'm doing, like, the finger kiss thing. It was beautiful. It was amazing. It was an, it was, I, I can't think of any other words to describe it. It was just a great assist. It the was vision, a feeling. You had a feeling of bliss after you watched it. Yeah, man. It was great. And then Drew Becky had a lot of, a lot of good plays uh, that came in. And he came in, and he had a couple crosses that went through. There was one, I, I think it was from him anyway. There was one where it just it, the ball just rolled across the face of goal past, like, three Armada players who could have tapped it in. It was unfortunate for him. You know, he was trying to feed them, uh, but they weren't eating. So I think he impacted the match, and if he had gotten an assist or had been able to do something and have the other guys do something for him, I think he would have been in consideration for man of the match amongst, like, everybody out there. Uh, so yeah, my man of the match is actually I, I'm kind of split between the two, Jamal Johnson and Drew Becky. Definitely not Zach Steinberger though. Sorry, Zach, I still love you. <laughs> um, like casuals, we've got to stop voting man of the match on the part that scores the goal. Uh, um, Logan, Logan, yes. Just full disclaimer: you know we did that in like episode one after week one earlier this year. You've got to stop voting for these guys <laughs> who just score the goals, man. Because there's, I mean, there's other players on the field that put in performances that are actually um, visible throughout the match. Uh, and that, that was Drew Becky. Um, sick goal, dude. Zach, awesome stuff. Um, 
the play, the run-up was good. Uh, Drew Becky was 100% on the night in regards to tackles. He's, he won three three tackles on the night, and there wasn't that much going on in the Cosmos defense, as I mentioned earlier. But he had three tackles, one um, out of three. He had uh, six headers, one out of six. Um, he had two crosses missed, which one of them was one that went straight through uh, the defense. And he had one shot, one on goal, and, one, and he tested in the attack, which he... Got, he got on a cross at the end of the game, and it was crazy saved by Jimmy Maurer. He could have scored. He could have put put uh, one in um, late in the 80th minute, some, somewhere around there, uh, but it didn't go in. He was solid in the back. He made efforts in the attack, and he's the player of the game for me because he took, he took the reins and charged late in the game when we really needed a goal. He's the one that received the ball down um, from Jimmy Maurer's punt late, this is on the goal the goals effort received the ball uh took it past three uh new york cosmos players um three attackers who uh defender taking him on that's pretty wild made space for himself um attacking forward uh and found jamal johnson jamal johnson found zach steinberg with a great cross and it was a great finish and i think the play was started by drew becky He's the reason that the play was initiated and it was executed uh, perfectly for Jacksonville to bring them back 1-1 against New York. So, Drew Becky, your man of the match, huh? Yeah, that's my man of the match. Um, yeah, I think I think that's a good consensus. I just cut you off. I'm sorry. But it's okay. It's I was a gonna, good consistent. Well, I was, I was really quick. I was just going to say, like, I would, I would choose Jamal Johnson and such for uh, just the presence that he had in the attack um, on the left side. Yeah. But... He was one out of six for crosses. Um, nearly all of his crosses, but the, the, literally the one cross that connected was the one, the goal. Um, <laughs> yeah. The rest, the rest were on that's the. That's all that matters, right? Yeah, but the rest were on the ground, and they were easily cleared by a New York defender, and that was that. Um, and why? Well, I mean, you also have to be, has to be harsh on Derek Gebhardt too, because he didn't switch up his runs at all for any for any of the crosses. He made the same run every single time, and there was he was the only one on the box. Um, so I think that that downplayed uh, the the crossing and the service uh, by Jamal Johnson on the night. All right. Okay, that makes sense. You know what? Let's uh, move on and talk about North Carolina. North Carolina is this Sunday? Saturday. Nope, sorry. It's on Saturday. May 13th, because May 14th is Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Shout out to all you moms out there. Uh, so, yeah, it is May 13th. It's Saturday at North Carolina up in Cary. Boy, North Carolina is underwhelming this year. Just underwhelming, man. They're fifth in the league. All right. I believe they've only got like eight points, nine, six points. They have eight, actually. Eight points. Look at that. Nailed it. All right. So they're fifth in the league. The thing is, though, if they win, they can pass the Armada and jump possibly up to first, depending on goal differential, uh, because Miami is in first and they have 11 points. So, I mean, obviously they're still in the thick of it. Everyone's still in the thick of it. They're only, we're only six matches in. Uh, but we're going up to North Carolina, who are coming off of a loss in San Francisco. Or at home to San Francisco. Excuse me, at home to San Francisco. So a home <laughs> loss to an expansion club. All right? Man, listen. Okay, I get super confused all the time about uh, the whole left and right thing and home and away. I, I, I can never remember. You know how that you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, but I never get confused about it. Right. Okay, so I just don't get if it were like baseball where the home team is always on the bottom and the away team is always up top, I would 
I'd nail it. But the, the whole left and right thing, I always get confused. Anyway, moving on. That was an aside. Uh, just coming off of a loss to Deltas, uh, it was actually it was a two-one loss. All right, and uh, so let's let's talk about North Carolina FC, man. They're they're kind of struggling. Yeah, they're struggling, but they're not struggling, and it is what it is. But they're not winning their home games. They drawn at home. They've won at home, but that was against Edmonton, so no big deal. And they lost to San Francisco. Um, there's, you know, what you could expect from this team back a year ago, two years ago, and that was a, a strong defense with a few key playmakers um, up top. Um, they made a really good addition in the offseason, and that was to bring in uh, Lance Lang from Minnesota. Um, Lance Lang was a NASL player of the year in uh, Edmonton in 2015, the, le- the year that we joined the league. Um, and then he played with Min- He got a transfer to Minnesota last year, didn't make it to the MLS with Minnesota, and so he got transferred out to um, Carolina Railhawks. Um, so, I mean, that's the player to watch. I know um, a, lot of, a lot of their forwards are kind of getting older, so there's, they're not as impactful this year um, as they were uh, in previous years. Um, but Lance Lang is going to be that guy to watch out for on the wing this, this coming up weekend. Um, and it's going to be Lance Lang versus Drew Becky. That's going to be, it's the, gonna be a solid that's matchup. Gonna, that's going to be the matchup. So how's Matt Fondy been doing? Shout out to Matt Fondy, old flame of ours. Man, we thought he'd be great, didn't we? Uh, he actually, I don't, I don't think he scored too much. He was on the field and on the score sheet for him uh, a lot after he got traded to him last year, and we were kind of, kind of sad about it. But well, I mean, he scored twice this year, um, which the highest goal scorer this year is has three. Um, so there's not. I mean, honestly, there's not. I guess really, the season is still young. You yeah. can't really say, you know, oh, he's only scored twice. I mean, there's not really that much uh, going on in the the goal department in this league. Um, it's very highly contested in the midfield, uh, honestly. But you know, Matt Fondi, since his transfer, he's uh, he's got seven goals in twenty, which is not bad at all. Oh yeah, that's a pretty solid uh, um, transfer right there. We got rid of him too early, and which sucks. But. Uh, yeah, dude, he's he's lethal, and he's I mean he's scoring goals at uh, the level that we didn't think we would see, um, and you know he's come up with a few clutch goals this year for North Carolina alone, and um, I can't remember quite honestly if he scored against uh, Atlas whenever they played because they played Atlas from Liga Emek. Um, they played them in the preseason. I, I, he, might, he may have scored. I think he scored against them. I didn't even uh, know they played Atlas. So. Wow. Congrats. Hello? Look at Where Logie. are you? Look at Logie with the NCFC <laughs> trivia. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, he's doing fine. They just, they're, they're, a really, they're, they're a boring side. They're literally Edmonton on the field. Um, well, so are we. I mean, when you think about exciting. it, we're kind of boring, too, so. With every, every team's boring. <laughs> yeah, honestly, in, in the NSL, every, every team is pretty bad. Uh, so yeah, I mean they don't they don't move the ball around much. You'd think they would. They've got some solid playmakers, uh, but they're just they're there. They're in CFC. I think they're a mid table team. Um, so I mean it's a fairly even matchup Wait, for the Armada. Here's the thing about in CFC is they've got pl- they've got players that used to perform well for the club that are still there. They've got um, T Shipolani. They've got. Uh, Austin Deleuze, uh, Abadawi, uh, Matt Fondi, who's just recent. 
but they aren't reaching heights and performances that they were hitting as Carolina Railhawks. And I think the name change has really just brought them down. Absolutely. You um, know, if you're if you're not a Railhawk, you can't fly high anymore, you know? Uh, but anyway, I'm sorry. I did it again. I can't. I got to stop with the puns, man. I got I to gotta stop. Anyway, uh, man... It's this is a tough match to call, and I know I've said it the last few weeks, but this is really a match that could go either way. Um, it's it's one of those things where okay, you really you really feel like the Armada are about to start scoring, uh, and then you look at the other team, and actually, you know, this team doesn't really have as many names that stick out to you. Uh, Shipolani does, and Deleuze does, and uh, I mean their forwards do. I mean Fondi and Abadawi and all those guys, but like you said, they've performed in the past. But they haven't, this year, they haven't been the same players that they've been. Uh, so it, it might be just a matter of the club holding on to them a little too long. And they probably might should have, you know, rotated a little bit more and, and kind of churned the roster a little bit more than they did rather than holding serve. But you never know what these guys, what these owners want to do because they are kind of aiming for that MLS stuff. And then they've got, you know, some NWSL stuff going on. Uh, it's just... The club's in a weird spot right now, I think. Look, here's the problem, and this is uh, straight out of the books from North Carolina FC, from North Carolina. Um, got a friend that lives there. Uh, the problem is, honestly, they think it's the, the coach. Um, they've got, they have Colin Clark still as the gaffer uh, for North Carolina FC. And if, I mean, if you don't know who the guy is, uh, he's been with North Carolina since 2011. Yeah, that is a little long in the tooth. But they're what have they done in Nothing. that time? They haven't. Won they anything. haven't done much other than have like average seasons. Um, and in you know having a coach for that long, I mean, obviously there's going to be players that are long reigning and players that are going to stay in the side. And there hasn't been much change regarding coach regarding the players. The only change has come from their new badge and their new name. Yeah, um, they're not getting the performances out of T. Shipolani. They're not getting the the, the top quality performances out of um, Austin Deleuze, uh Out of basically a lot of their forwards that they relied on. Yeah, the guys the they've past. had for the last several years. Um, and they even lost their attacking talent Nacho Novo, who um, left in 2016 uh, to go to a club called uh, Glen Torren, um, out in, Bel- in Belfast, Ireland. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, they've lost a lot of uh, attacking firepower with him. Kind of. Well, I mean, he he was a little bit of a catalyst, and uh, man, what do they call that? The talisman. Yeah, I think that's that's the word. That's the one I'm looking for. Uh, he was kind of the guy. He did a lot of stuff for him. And when you lose a guy like that, I don't think you can keep your squad together and expect the same results. So I think, uh, you know, they should have uh, rotated and they should have uh, brought some new faces in. What? I, I think it's old blood and I think it's just stale blood by now. They're relying on Matt Fondy um, to be that guy. But they're also relying on Brian Shriver, who has come in huge for um, the team and, you know, bring results to the team. Um but it's weird. Like he hasn't, he didn't play the last game against. Yeah, he hasn't played very much. Yeah, he hasn't played again. He didn't play against San Francisco, um, and he hasn't been consistently having a role or being a part uh, of the lineup. And um, you know, he's pr- arguably one of their best players um, on the team, and not getting starts on a, on a consistent basis. I mean, you wonder what we're gonna see this weekend. Um, I mentioned Lance Lang and how much of a threat he is. Uh, he can he can score goals. He's um, he's dangerous in attack. But also, what's going to be key is 
um, James Marcelin. And if you don't know this guy, I wish we signed him because he played for Fort Lauderdale. He, um, he was the big guy in the midfield, the big Haitian guy that you could not get through. He looks like Yaya Torre, but it's not on the same skill level. Um, and he's, he's literally huge. He's a dominant midfielder, central midfielder. Um, but the problem with their midfield is that they, there's lots of passing and they, they can control the game in the midfield and they can um, pick passes between each other, but they just lack the urgency to go forward. So kind of like what we've been witnessing the past few weeks of Armada before the NYC games um, that we saw, uh, that's pretty much North Carolina FC. They just don't have the, the, the great talent going forward and they don't have, and they rely on, um, on slow playmaking and transitioning from the back, uh, but they're not quick enough and they're not urgent. And that's really what's really blocking them down uh, so far. They have a decent amount of goals scored this year, but not enough in the attack is what's making them lose games. Okay, so uh, key player for NCFC on Saturday. Who's it going to be for you? Um, I think it's, it's tough to say. Um, I'm not going to say attacking-wise. I'm going to say in the midfield. I think it is going to be James Marcelin. He's a game-changer of a midfielder. Um, he... He's really hard to knock off the ball because he's obviously he's huge uh, and he's good on the ball. He's strong on the ball, um, but he's coming up against a, a team that has dominated nearly every game they've played in the midfield. Um, they've got now if we see a lineup like we saw this past Saturday, we've got a free flowing lineup um, that transitions and co- and combines well. Um, he's going to be coming up against J.C. Banks, Jack Blake. Um, he likes to get forward too, uh, but Kevon George has been lights out all year. And so I think, I think it's going to be a tough day for him, but if they want to find success against Jacksonville, they're going to have to, um, generate their play through him. And we'll see if Brian Shriver comes back, uh, for NCFC for this match. Uh, I think their key player is going to be Matt Fondy slash other forwards, uh, whoever they have there. Uh, it's also going to be a little bit of Lance Lang. I think their attack is what is needed more than uh, defense. I think they need to, uh, you know, just break down the Armada defense. The Armada defense, they have a they have a stalwart, stalwart defense, man. Uh, the line is tough to break down. It's tough to get through. New York couldn't do it. All they, they it was just, is a, it was a set piece goal, you know? Uh, so it's a tough, tough defensive line to break down, and I think it's going to be um, there are players in the attack and uh, in the midfield who break it down and who will be the key for them. So not really, I guess, uh, I mean, rather than saying just one certain player, I know I mentioned Fondy and Lance Lang, but rather than saying one certain player, one certain, uh, a couple guys, I think it's just going to be their attack. Their attack is going to be key for Saturday uh, for them to come in and get a win. Now, what about the Armada key players for the Armada? Oh, um, I think it's, it's going to be the striker. We, we have got to get goals from somewhere. Um, if God could deliver us goals, that would be fantastic. Um, we can't seem to, you score more than one goal a game, and I think that's because we're um, we we start out with a lineup not playing to our striker's potential, and then we switch the striker, but bring on players that are capable to play with that previous striker's potential, like Jamal Johnson with John the Glenn, and I just think just the constant switches we need we need to 
find an attack that is steady, uh, always can be dangerous, can create opportunities like we did uh, this past weekend, and can score goals. Uh, we haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen the three, two to three players that can play well with each other up top to generate these kind of um, plays, these attacks. Uh, so it's going to be the striker. Uh, we, Whether we get goals from him, whether uh, we find any breakthrough from up top, we just need some sort of impact from the striker. And to be, we need more than pace, which is what you saw with Derek Hedbard. You need actually passes from him. You need crosses from him. You need him to be more impactful on a game than just bring pace to it because he did not, he did not do much with his pace against New York City. Um, and that, I mean, we can have an argument all day about what striker we wanted to see against right. New York, but at the end of the day, what did he do? And he didn't Not do much. much. He, he yeah. had two attempts and one was straight to the keeper. The other one was a clear miss. He should have put away. Um, got to take our chances. And so it's going to be the striker. We just need two goals. Dude, I think two goals wins this game. It's and just quite frankly, mm-hmm. one goal is going to get us a tie. I think North Carolina is going to get a goal on us, peg a goal on us just because, um, not really any reason as to why, but uh, if we can get two goals slip through, I think we'll have a very success- successful night because our defense is good enough to withstand the North Carolina FC def- uh, attack. Uh, my key player for this weekend is Zach Steinberger, especially if he starts as that center attacking midfielder, that advanced midfielder. Um, that's his That's his spot, man. And that's where he needs to be. So hopefully we have, like I said earlier, hopefully we have a similar lineup to what happened uh, against the Cosmos. Hopefully that happens. And if Zach is there in the middle of the park, uh, then he's the key guy. I think if he can be more than invisible for most of the match, he, if he can be his last 15 minutes for, you know, an hour or 90 minutes on Saturday, you know, the last 15 minutes of the Cosmos match when he was, he was in, he was attacking, he was doing things and scoring. Uh, if he can do that for a whole match, on Saturday, then he's going to be the catalyst. He's going to be the guy who brings the win home. I think the Jamal Johnson switch was very impactful. It was very good. It was a uh, uh, fresh energy brought off the field. Um, I want to see Jamal Johnson start again. I want to see Zach Steinberger play at Cam, start at Cam because that's his preferred position. Um, those are the two main spots that I want to see filled uh, with the with the same exact players because we found a, uh, a lot of success at the end of the game for sure. Um, but definitely on the left side, Jamal Johnson coming in, it was huge. Um, so, dude, if I could choose one player with a for sure starting spot, it'd be Jamal Johnson on the left. Oh, so what you're saying is you've converted from your opinions last week and realized that Jamal Johnson is the answer on the left wing. Um, I never said he was the answer, but you can keep dreaming. All right. Okay, so we're going to move to our predictions. Our points total, Logan has 11 now. You didn't have a very good week, man. But I caught up a little bit. I'm at 7, so I'm slowly closing that gap, and this is going to be the week. I'm going to take the lead. We are going to start off with some Amway Championship, FC Edmonton, at home against Ottawa. It's the second leg of that. What is the score of the second leg? I think it's going to be... uh 1-0 1-0 affair for Edmonton, and it's going to go into extra time. And so an Edmonton win. And Edmonton. Edmonton. <laughs> Ottawa is going to win it in extra time and penos. Penos. Oh, my gosh. Penalties. 
Woo, can't talk today. We're not going to cut that out, but we've been We're struggling today. hard, man. The um, been so real. Yeah, I think Ottawa's going to win in uh, penalties, but it's going to be 1-0 at the end of what is a regular time. For I think it'll be a 2-1 win straight up for Ottawa. All right, now we have New York City at home at MCU Park on Coney Island in that nice little dumpster we call, they call home anyway, against Puerto Rico FC. I, just, I think it's going to be 2-1 New York. That's all I'm going to say about it. Uh, I believe this is going to be a 2-1 win for Puerto Rico. I don't, I'm not a fan of the Cosmos anymore. I don't think they're any good. Two weeks against them, and I just don't think, I don't think, uh, I don't think they have it in them. But Puerto Rico are, uh, have not won a game, and they have three points. Well, there's no better time than the present to, to get started. So here we go, Miami in Miami against Indy 11. Logan? I think Indianapolis, their unbeaten run, is going to come to an end. They're going to get their first loss of the season, though they have six draws, which is absolutely unheard of. That's ridiculous. Uh, Miami, they're dominant at home. They, their players on that team that are amazing. Pino, Poku, the list goes on. Insane lineup. Richie Ryan. Every week. Richie Ryan sucks. Tyler Ruthman sucks. <laughs> All of them suck. Effort. Um, no, but uh, Miami have looked really good against New York at home. They've looked really good against other teams that have come uh, down to Miami. I think it's going to be, ooh, um, hello, uh, 2-0. And I don't know, I'm just not feeling Indy, which is weird because both teams that were in the final last year, I'm just not fond of this year to really make any impact in the league. I think it's another draw. I think Indianapolis is the team that draws. They're the artists this year. 2-2. Two, two. FC Edmonton. Their second match of the week against San Francisco. The Deltas have been doing better than I expected they would be. They've put a nice little squad together. They're going up to Edmonton. How's that going to end, man? That's going to be a 1-1 draw. 1-1. FC Edmonton midweek game. San Francisco on the road to a climate like Edmonton, or I believe it's still cold, right? Am I right? (laughs) I don't know. It's always cold in Canada. In Edmonton, I guess. I don't know. they just had a blizzard or something, right? Yeah. It's summer. I don't something know. Something like that. <laughs> so I guess, yeah. Well, I mean, San Francisco, they've looked fine on the road, but um, they, I mean, I don't expect them to. It's tough to play at Clark Stadium up in Edmonton. Um, it's a tough place. So I'm just going to go with 1-1. But it's going to be a difficult match for Edmonton because they do have the Canadian Championship game midweek. Uh, that's a 2-1 win for San Francisco, Bob. I think that the Deltas are going to pull it out. FC Edmonton's going to be tired. They're going to be distraught. They're going to realize that they absolutely suck. And Deltas are going to pull out another win, get another three points. And here we go with the match of the week, North Carolina FC in Cary, North Carolina, against the Jacksonville Armada. I'm going to start this one because I want to and because I'm the one leading the charge here. So I think this is going to end up as the one we've all been waiting for. It's going to be another win, finally, for the Armada. I think the Armada, like Logan mentioned earlier, I think the Armada will pull this away with a 2-1 to one victory. Actually, you know what? I'm going to change that up, and I'm going to shoot my shy here. I think the Armada win 2 to nothing. I think it's a clean sheet. It's going to happen. Watch and learn. That's going to be straight up three points in the in the standings for me, man. You don't know what's about to happen, do you? All right, what's your prediction? Let's hear it. Jacksonville Armada. All right. Boys in blue. 
Mm-hmm. Come on, you Armada. Well, actually, they'll be wearing white. Come on, you fleet. Come on, you boys from the River City. Come on, everything. Uh, let's go, Armada. Anchors. Anchors away. Mark Lowry. Jamal Johnson. Jonathan Glenn. The Field of Dreams. Uh, the it. lineup. Uh, I'm going to get a phone call from my neighbor soon. Please, please, please. I'm kidding. I'm, that's a, He looks so distraught. He was so happy, so hyped. But also, please. The lineup that it's going to bring. How are we going to do? The first win in front of Traveling Away support. What? Hello? They beat Edmund. Oh, Traveling, traveling Away, away okay, support. Never, Come on. I missed that word. We're, going, like, to, we're going to North Carolina. It's going to be 2-1. to one. Jacksonville Armada. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Jonathan Glenn will be starting. And like I said, he will score. And when he scores his first goal, he won't stop. So will he stop? This weekend, he will not because he will still be on the high. Even though he was benched this past weekend, he will be on the high from scoring against Indianapolis. And he will score another set-piece goal. And he will score a double because... <laughs> the North Carolina defense will not handle him, and that'll be a GG in the chat. Two to one, John the Glenn on the double. Uh, you've been listening to the sweet, sultry sounds of Logan's voice. Anyway, uh, that's all we have for you guys. The questions that you guys all asked will be popping up on Thursday. Uh, also known as tomorrow, as far as when this podcast is released, they'll be popping up tomorrow in your Thursday Q and A. Uh, keep looking out. We've got some more writing and more uh, readable content coming for you guys. I'm going to start doing this thing twice a week. We'll see. You'll see what it is later today. Uh, and then, you know what? Thanks for listening. You guys are all so beautiful. Thanks for talking to us and tweeting with us and listening in. Don't forget to go to www.audibletrial.com slash soccer. If you want to support the show a little bit, all you got to do is sign up for a free trial. You don't have to commit to pay anything. It's a 30-day free trial. Listen to that Home and Away book. It's pretty solid. Home and Away by Dave Bedini talking about the Homeless World Cup. It's legit. It's awesome. We have done it for you guys. It's been a rough ride for us tonight. Struggle bus. Words are hard. But thanks for listening in. It's another episode of the Bold City Soccer Show. We'll see you guys out there.